This is day 30 of our daily Bible reading. We will be reading Leviticus chapter 27, which will end the book, and then we will go into the book of Numbers, chapters 1 through 3, and of course, Psalm chapter 30. Lord Heavenly Father, quiet our hearts this morning. Clear our minds of all the things that are of no value. Help us, Lord, to focus on your word this morning. Your word that is life and hope for your people. So often, Lord, we don't take it as seriously as we should. And so often, Lord, we are distracted with our own agendas, with what the world wants us to do, with our jobs and responsibilities. But Lord, help us to make this a holy time. Help us to see this as a sanctified time where we get to sit at your feet and learn from you. Give us the strength to resist these temptations that we have and open our eyes and our ears so that we may receive your wisdom with gladness. May we rejoice in your holy presence this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When a man makes a difficult vow, he shall be valued according to your valuation of persons belonging to the Lord. If your valuation is of the male from twenty years even to sixty years old, then your valuation shall be fifty shekels of silver after the shekel of the sanctuary. If it is a female, then your valuation shall be thirty shekels. If it be from five years even to twenty years old, then your valuation for the male shall be twenty shekels, and for the female ten shekels. But if they are from a month even up to five years old, then your valuation shall be five shekels of silver for the male, and for the female your valuation shall be three shekels of silver. If they are from sixty years old and upward, if it is a male, then your valuation shall be fifteen shekels, and for the female, ten shekels. But if he is poorer than your valuation, then he shall be placed before the priest, and the priest shall value him, according to the means of the one who vowed the priest shall value him. Now, if it is an animal of the kind, which men can present as an offering to the Lord, any such that one gives to the Lord shall be holy. He shall not replace it or exchange it, a good for a bad, or a bad for a good. Or, if he does exchange animal for animal, then both it and its substitute shall become holy. If, however, it is any unclean animal of the kind which men do not present as an offering to the Lord, then he shall place the animal before the priest. The priest shall value it as either good or bad, as you the priest value it so it shall be. But if he should ever wish to redeem it, then he shall add one-fifth of it to your valuation. Now if a man consecrates his house as holy to the Lord, then the priest shall value it as either good or bad. As the priest values it, so it shall stand. Yet, if the one who consecrates it should wish to redeem his house, then he shall add one-fifth of its valuation price to it, so that it may be his. 
Again, if a man consecrates to the Lord part of the fields of his own property, then your valuation shall be proportionate to the seed needed for it. A homer of barley seed at fifty shekels of silver. If he consecrates his field as of the year of Jubilee, according to your valuation, it shall stand. If he consecrates his field after the Jubilee, however, then the priest shall calculate the price for him proportionate to the years that are left until the year of Jubilee, and it shall be deducted from your valuation. If the one who consecrates it should ever wish to redeem the field, then he shall add one-fifth of your valuation price to it, so that it may pass to him. Yet if he will not redeem the field, but has sold the field to another man, it may no longer be redeemed. And when it reverts in the jubilee, the field shall be holy to the Lord, like a field set apart. It shall be for the priest as his property. Or if he consecrates to the Lord a field which he has bought, which is not a part of the field of his own property, then the priest shall calculate for him the amount of your valuation up to the year of Jubilee, and he shall on that day give your valuation as holy to the Lord. In the year of Jubilee, the field shall return to the one from whom he bought it, to whom the possession of the land belongs. Every valuation of yours, moreover, shall be after the shekel of the sanctuary. The shekel shall be twenty geras. However, a firstborn among animals, which as a firstborn belongs to the Lord, no man may consecrate it. Whether ox or sheep, it is the Lord's. But if it is among the unclean animals, then he shall redeem it according to your valuation and add to it one-fifth of it. And if it is not redeemed, then it shall be sold according to your valuation. Nevertheless, anything which a man sets apart to the Lord out of all that he has, of man or animal or of the fields of his own property, shall not be sold or redeemed. Anything devoted to destruction is most holy to the Lord. No one who may have been set apart among men shall be ransomed. He shall surely be put to death. Thus all the tithe of the land, of the seed of the land, or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If, therefore, a man wishes to redeem part of his tithe, he shall add to it one-fifth of it. For every tenth part of herd or flock, whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. He is not to be concerned whether it is good or bad, nor shall he exchange it. Or, if he does exchange it, then both it and its substitute shall become holy. It shall not be redeemed. These are the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses for the sons of Israel at Mount Sinai. Congratulations on finishing Leviticus. Now we are going to move into the fourth book of the law, which is called the Book of Numbers. Now it's called the Book of Numbers because that is its name in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Bible. 
It is the book Arithmoi, which is Numbers. The Hebrew title of this, however, was taken out of the first sentence in this book, which is In the Wilderness. So, very different title, but ultimately it's the same book. Most of this book is going to record the history of the Israelites in their 40 years of wandering. There are a lot of numbers in this book, hence the name, but it is going to record not only a census that the people are going to conduct, but it is going to give an overall view of what happened during those 40 years that they wandered. If you have not read the Bible before and you don't know why they had to wander for 40 years, you're about to find out. And ultimately, it's because of unfaithfulness. They did not trust God when he brought them to the promised land, and therefore their punishment is to wander for 40 years until the first generation that left Egypt dies off. Now, the purpose of Numbers is not only to keep a historical account of what happened, but if you look at the overarching theme, what is this book trying to teach us? And so the main theme, the main principle that is being taught in Numbers is the fact that God's people must walk in faith. As we have read so far, this is an ongoing issue with the Israelites, right? They have not trusted God despite everything that they have seen. And God is making it as clear as possible that if they want to succeed in everything that they are going to do, they must trust God that he's going to keep his promises. If they are to move forward into the promised land, they have to keep in mind that God has promised the land to them. They simply just need to obey him and everything will go well with them. It's not always that easy for us, is it? Even today, it's not always easy to take God exactly at his word because we're so short-sighted sometimes. And as you can imagine, the Israelites will fail repeatedly at trusting God at his word. And things will not go well for them for a while. But in spite of the repeated failures that they will have, God is going to continue to be faithful to them. And it's such a glorious thing to keep in mind in our day today. God is always faithful. He is loyal to everything that he's ever said. And we need to take him at his word. Now, naturally, being the fourth book of the Law of Moses, this was, again, written by Moses. And many people throughout the Bible have attributed this book to him as well. And without further delay, let us begin. Numbers, chapters 1 through 3. Then the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, in the tent of meeting, on the first of the second month, in the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Take a census of all the congregation of the sons of Israel, by their families, by their fathers' households, according to the number of names, every male, head by head, from twenty years old and upward. Whoever is able to go out to war in Israel, you and Aaron shall number them by their armies. With you, moreover, there shall be a man of each tribe, each one head of his father's household. These, then, are the names of the men who shall stand with you. Of Reuben, Elizer, the son of Shadur. Of Simeon, 
Shelemiah, the son of Zerishadai, of Judah, Nashan, the son of Amminadab, of Issachar, Nethanel, the son of Zuar, of Zebulun, Eliab, the son of Helon, of the sons of Joseph, of Ephraim, Elishama, the son of Amihud, of Manasseh, Gamaliel, the son of Pedazer, of Benjamin, Abidan, the son of Gideoni, of Dan, Ahizer, the son of Amishadai, of Asher, Pagiel, the son of Okran, of Gad, Eliasaph, the son of Duel, of Naphtali, Ahira, the son of Inan. These are they who are called of the congregation, the leaders of their father's tribes. They were the heads of divisions of Israel. So Moses and Aaron took these men who had been designated by name, and they assembled all the congregation together on the first of the second month. Then they registered by ancestry in their families, by their father's households, according to the number of names, from twenty years old and upward, head by head, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. So he numbered them in the wilderness of Sinai. Now the sons of Reuben, Israel's firstborn, their genealogical registration by their families, by their father's households, according to the number of names, head by head, every male from twenty years old and upward, whoever was able to go out to war, their numbered men of the tribe of Reuben were 46,500. Of the sons of Simeon, their genealogical registration by their families, by their father's households, their numbered men, according to the number of names, head by head, every male from twenty years old and upward, whoever was able to go out to war. Their numbered men of the tribe of Simeon were 59,300. Of the sons of Gad, their genealogical registration by their families, by their father's households, according to the number of names, from twenty years old and upward, whoever was able to go out to war. Their numbered men of the tribe of Gad were 45,650. Of the sons of Judah, their genealogical registration, by their families, by their father's households, according to the number of names, from twenty years old and upward, whoever was able to go out to war. Their numbered men of the tribe of Judah were 74,600. Of the sons of Issachar, their genealogical registration by their families, by their father's households, according to the number of names, from twenty years old and upward, whoever was able to go out to war. Their numbered men of the tribe of Issachar were 54,400. Of the sons of Zebulun, their genealogical registration by their families, by their father's households, according to the number of names, from twenty years old and upward, whoever was able to go out to war. Their numbered men of the tribe of Zebulun were 57,400. Of the sons of Joseph, namely of the sons of Ephraim, their genealogical registration by their families, by their father's households, according to the number of names, from twenty years old and upward, 
whoever was able to go out to war. Their numbered men of the tribe of Ephraim were 40,500. Of the sons of Manasseh, their genealogical registration by their families, by their father's households, according to the number of names, from 20 years old and upward, whoever was able to go out to war. Their numbered men of the tribe of Manasseh were 32,200. Of the sons of Benjamin, their genealogical registration by their families, by their father's households, according to the number of names, from 20 years old and upward, whoever was able to go out to war. Their numbered men of the tribe of Benjamin were 35,400. Of the sons of Dan, their genealogical registration by their families, by their father's households, according to the number of names, from 20 years old and upward, whoever was able to go out to war. Their numbered men of the tribe of Dan were 62,700. Of the sons of Asher, their genealogical registration by their families, by their father's households, according to the number of names, from 20 years old and upward, whoever was able to go out to war. Their numbered men of the tribe of Asher were 41,500. Of the sons of Naphtali, their genealogical registration by their families, by their father's households, according to the number of names, from 20 years old and upward, whoever was able to go out to war. Their numbered men of the tribe of Naphtali were 53,400. These are the ones who were numbered, whom Moses and Aaron numbered, with the leaders of Israel, twelve men, each of whom was of his father's household. So all the numbered men of the sons of Israel, by their father's households, from twenty years old and upward, whoever was able to go out to war in Israel, even all the numbered men, were 603,550. The Levites, however, were not numbered among them by their father's tribe. For the Lord had spoken to Moses, saying, Only the tribe of Levi you shall not number, nor shall you take their census among the sons of Israel. But you shall appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony, and over all its furnishings, and over all that belongs to it. They shall carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings, and they shall take care of it. They shall also camp around the tabernacle. So when the tabernacle is to set out, the Levites shall take it down. And when the tabernacle encamps, the Levites shall set it up. But the layman who comes near shall be put to death. The sons of Israel shall camp, each man by his own camp, and each man by his own standard, according to their armies. But the Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of the testimony, so that there will be no wrath on the congregation of the sons of Israel. So the Levites shall keep charge of the tabernacle of the testimony. Thus the sons of Israel did, according to all which the Lord had commanded Moses, so they did. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, The sons of Israel shall camp, each by his own standard, 
with the banners of their fathers' households. They shall camp around the tent of meeting at a distance. Now those who camp on the east side toward the sunrise shall be of the standard of the camp of Judah, by their armies, and the leader of the sons of Judah, Nashon, the son of Amminadab, and his army, even their numbered men, 74,600. Those who camp next to him shall be the tribe of Issachar, and the leader of the sons of Issachar, Nathanel, the son of Zuar, and his army, even their numbered men, 54,400. Then comes the tribe of Zebulun, and the leader of the sons of Zebulun, Eliab, the son of Helan, and his army, even his numbered men, 57,400. The total of the numbered men of the camp of Judah, 186,400, by their armies. They shall set out first. On the south side shall be the standard of the camp of Reuben by their armies, and the leader of the sons of Reuben, Elizer, the son of Shadur, and his army, even their numbered men, 46,500. Those who camp next to him shall be the tribe of Simeon, and the leader of the sons of Simeon, Shelemiel, the son of Jerushaddai, and his army, even their numbered men, 59,300. Then comes the tribe of Gad, and the leader of the sons of Gad, Eliasaph, the son of Duel, and his army, even their numbered men, 45,650. The total of the numbered men of the camp of Reuben, 151,450 by their armies, and they shall set out second. Then the tent of meeting shall set out with the camp of the Levites in the midst of the camps. Just as they camp, so they shall set out, every man in his place by their standards. On the west side shall be the standard of the camp of Ephraim by their armies. And the leader of the sons of Ephraim shall be Elishama the son of Amihud, and his army, even their numbered men, 40,500. Next to him shall be the tribe of Manasseh, and the leaders of the sons of Manasseh, Gemaliel, the son of Pedazur, and his army, even their numbered men, 32,200. Then comes the tribe of Benjamin, and the leader of the sons of Benjamin, Abidan, the son of Gideoni, and his army, even their numbered men, 35,400. The total of the numbered men of the camp of Ephraim, 108,100, by their armies, and they shall set out third. On the north side shall be the standard of the camp of Dan, by their armies, and the leader of the sons of Dan, Ahizer, the son of Amishadai, and his army, even their numbered men, 62,700. Those who camp next to him shall be the tribe of Asher, and the leader of the sons of Asher, Pagiel, the son of Okran, and his army, even their numbered men, 41,500. Then comes the tribe of Naphtali, 
and the leaders of the sons of Naphtali, Ahira, the son of Enon, and his army, even their numbered men, 53,400. The total of the numbered men of the camp of Dan was 157,600. They shall set out last by their standards. These are the numbered men of the sons of Israel by their fathers' households, the total of the numbered men of the camps by their armies, 603,550. The Levites, however, were not numbered among the sons of Israel, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Thus the sons of Israel did, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. So they camped by their standards, and so they set out, every one by his family, according to his father's household. Now these are the records of the generations of Aaron and Moses at the time when the Lord spoke with Moses on Mount Sinai. These then are the names of the sons of Aaron, Nadab the firstborn, and Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. These are the names of the sons of Aaron, the anointed priests, whom he ordained to serve as priests. But Nadab and Abihu died before the Lord when they offered strange fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai, and they had no children. So Eliezer and Ithamar served as priests in the lifetime of their father Aaron. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring the tribe of Levi near, and set them before Aaron the priest, that they may serve him. They shall perform the duties for him and for the whole congregation before the tent of meeting, to do the service of the tabernacle. They shall also keep all the furnishings of the tent of meeting, along with the duties of the sons of Israel, to do the service of the tabernacle. You shall thus give the Levites to Aaron and to his sons. They are wholly given to him from among the sons of Israel. So you shall appoint Aaron and his sons, that they may keep their priesthood. But the layman who comes near shall be put to death. Again the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Now behold, I have taken the Levites from among the sons of Israel instead of every firstborn the first issue of the womb among the sons of Israel. So the Levites shall be mine, for all the firstborn are mine, on the day that I struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. I sanctified to myself all the firstborn in Israel, from man to beast. They shall be mine. I am the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, saying, Number the sons of Levi by their fathers' households, by their families. Every male from a month old and upward you shall number. So Moses numbered them according to the word of the Lord, just as he had been commanded. These then are the sons of Levi by their names, Gershon and Kohath and Merari. These are the names of the sons of Gershon by their families, Libni and Shimei, and the sons of Kohath by their families, Amram and Izhar, Hebron and Uziel, and the sons of Merari by their families, Mali and Mushi. 
These are the families of the Levites, according to their fathers' households. Of Gershon was the family of the Libnites and the family of the Shimeites. These were the families of the Gershonites. Their numbered men, in the numbering of every male from a month old and upward, even their numbered men, were 7,500. The families of the Gershonites were to camp behind the tabernacle westward. And the leader of the father's households of the Gershonites was Eliasif, the son of Lael. Now the duties of the sons of Gershon in the tent of meeting involved the tabernacle and the tent, its covering, and the screen for the doorway of the tent of meeting, and the hangings of the court, and the screen for the doorway of the court, which is around the tabernacle and the altar, and its cords, according to all the service concerning them. Of Kohath was the family of the Amramites, and the family of the Izharites, and the family of the Hebronites, and the family of the Uzielites. These were the families of the Kohathites. In the numbering of every male, from a month old and upward, there were 8,600, performing the duties of the sanctuary. The families of the sons of Kohath were to camp on the southward side of the tabernacle, and the leader of the father's households of the Kohathite families was Elizaphon, the son of Uziel. Now their duties involved the ark, the table, the lampstand, the altars, and the utensils of the sanctuary with which they minister, and the screen, and all the service concerning them. And Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, was the chief of the leaders of Levi, and had the oversight of those who performed the duties of the sanctuary. Of Merari was the family of the Malites and the family of the Mushites. These were the families of Merari. Their numbered men, in the numbering of every male from a month old and upward, were 6,200. The leader of the father's households of the families of Merari was Zuriel, the son of Abihail. They were to camp on the northward side of the tabernacle. Now the appointed duties of the sons of Merari involved the frames of the tabernacle, its bars, its pillars, its sockets, all its equipment, and the service concerning them, and the pillars around the court with their sockets and their pegs and their cords. Now those who were to camp before the tabernacle eastward, before the tent of meeting, toward the sunrise, are Moses and Aaron and his sons, performing the duties of the sanctuary for the obligation of the sons of Israel. But the layman coming near was to be put to death. All the numbered men of the Levites, whom Moses and Aaron numbered at the command of the Lord by their families, every male from a month old and upward, were twenty-two thousand. Then the Lord said to Moses, Number every firstborn male of the sons of Israel from a month old and upward, and make a list of their names. You shall take the Levites for me. I am the Lord. Instead of all the firstborn among the sons of Israel, and the cattle of the Levites, 
instead of all the firstborn among the cattle of the sons of Israel. So Moses numbered all the firstborn among the sons of Israel, just as the Lord had commanded him, and all the firstborn males by the number of names from a month old and upward, for their numbered men were 22,273. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the sons of Israel and the cattle of the Levites. And the Levites shall be mine. I am the Lord. For the ransom of the 273 of the firstborn of the sons of Israel, who are in excess beyond the Levites, you shall take five shekels apiece per head. You shall take them in terms of the shekel of the sanctuary. The shekel is twenty geras. And give the money, the ransom of those who are in excess among them, to Aaron and to his sons. So Moses took the ransom money from those who were in excess, beyond those ransomed by the Levites, from the firstborn of the sons of Israel. He took the money in terms of the shekel of the sanctuary, 1,365. Then Moses gave the ransom money to Aaron and to his sons at the command of the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Psalm chapter 30, a psalm, a song at the dedication of the house, a psalm of David. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up, and have not let my enemies rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cry to you for help, and you healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You have kept me alive that I would not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you his godly ones, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Now as for me, I said in my prosperity, I will never be moved. O Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain to stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I called, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness, that my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. All right, congratulations again on finishing Leviticus. I don't know what's going on with me today, but I hope that my skills with editing is good enough for you to not notice that I had a very difficult time reading everything today. I kept messing up all over the place. So I'm glad we got through this piece of scripture simply because I was butchering it left and right, and I don't want to embarrass myself any further. I will keep this extremely brief today, considering how long this reading has been. 
Chapter 27 of the book of Leviticus are the final laws of the book that are concerning vows that are made and also when it comes to tithes. So what we notice at the beginning of chapter 27 is that every person, male or female, is given a valuation. They're given a price. And this estimation may not seem fair at a glance. Why is the male valued much higher than the female? Does God value males more than he does females? No, no, he does not. But the reason why that the valuation was this particular amount is because this was an estimation of how much an average worker was worth in a year. For however many years that person is able to perform work, then they were assigned a specific valuation. So when you look at the valuations next to what physical capabilities men and women differ from, it shouldn't be that surprising to see that males typically have more dangerous, more intense labor than a female does. And so therefore, because of the nature of their work, the men are priced higher. It has nothing to do with the genders being unequal or anything like that. Men and women are equal in the sight of God. Let's be clear about that. But it should not be a shock to hear that men and women were physically designed for different kinds of work. And so that's why you see it mentioned like this here. And then it goes through many different ways of when you give something to the Lord and you want it back, there is some complicated pieces in here about how the redemption works and how you have to add one-fifth of the amount, 20%, to that particular cost, and so on and so forth. But that was some legal code that they used back then for specific things. But the one area that seems to be a bit more clear for us is the last few verses of the chapter where it talks about a tithe, the tenth of everything that is produced is given to the Lord. This is the origin of the tithe, which still exists today, and by God's standards, the tithe should still be honored. There are those that will say, well, we're no longer under the law of Moses, so we don't have to give a tithe. And my simple response to that would be, why are you so concerned about money, if you know who God is and what he is capable of doing with your resources? God is the God of multiplication. He can exponentially cause anything to grow, whether it be your finances or otherwise. So why are you concerned with holding on to your money? We should be giving generously, and we should be giving to the Lord what is due. So don't question these things. 10% is nothing compared to what God is able to do. So honor God with your money and with your property. That concludes the book of Leviticus, and then it takes us into the book of Numbers. And in chapter 1, we see a census being done of all the men 20 years and older in the land of Israel. And we see a final number for them, 603,550. Any male that is younger than 20 is not mentioned in here. And we don't know how many those are. But you could probably add another 200,000 to that, and that just gives you the men in Israel. 800,000 males in the entire tribe of Israel. 
This does not include any females in this number. So you could safely say that there's a million and a half Israelites walking around this wilderness. It's crazy. Then what God does in chapter 2 is he assigns each tribe a specific military positioning. When Israel either camps or is marching, they have specific military positions to protect the tabernacle. And they set it up like this. On the north side is Naphtali, Asher, and Dan. On the east side is Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. The south side is Reuben, Simeon, and Gad. And the west side is Benjamin, Manasseh, and Ephraim. And directly in the center are the Levites. And they're the ones that are surrounding the tabernacle. The Levites, from one month old and upward, are numbered in chapter 3. And then each family of the Levites, being three different branches of the Levites, are given specific roles and responsibilities within the tabernacle itself. And what we see at the end of chapter 3 is something that God said when they were leaving Egypt, that all the firstborn of Israel were his. But now he is going to modify it to where there is going to be a Levite who is going to be the substitute for the firstborn of every person in Israel. But only the ones that were numbered here are humans, not the animals. And since there were 22,000 Levites and 22,273 firstborns, the initial 22,000 were completely represented by a Levite. Therefore, they were the substitutionary atonement for the firstborns. The remaining 273, there was a price that they had to pay for their redemption. And again, all this is illustrating the redemption of Jesus Christ on the cross. He paid the ultimate price with his life and with his blood to redeem you from your sins. And we end today with a psalm of David that is a psalm of thanksgiving. He is acknowledging God's deliverance. He is calling on his people to join in praise to God. He remembers his sins. And you see that in verses 6 through 10 here, where he's remembering all the things that he's done in his past. He recognizes how far he's come. He recognizes his sinfulness as a human being. And the last couple of verses, he praises God for his deliverance and for making him a better person. And indeed, being called into salvation has made us better. We are still sinners by nature, but God has designated us for sanctification, the process of being made holy, that every day we should be becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And that leads us into our scripture to memorize today. Psalm chapter 30, verse 5. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. God may be angry with us in our sin, but his favor is forever. He is faithful to us. He may be angry and discipline us as his children, and it may be painful for a period of time. But when we see what God is doing in our lives and we come out of those trials, 
we will emerge with an attitude of joy and of praise, because we recognize what God is doing. He is investing in us, and indeed, we need to be worthy of that investment. Do what the Lord has commanded, and be faithful to him as he has been faithful to us. And with that, that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.